Divisional round in the NFL playoffs with just eight teams remaining. Let's get stuck in. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. As I said off the top, divisional round in the NFL playoffs, meaning there are only eight teams left, the Elite Eight. And of course, as always, my good friend and co-host Nick Splitter joins me. Nick, great to chat NFL. We saw a, a super wild card weekend. Yeah, oh, it, it was wild, wasn't it? I mean, it's a great name for that that weekend because it was a wild, wild card weekend. Uh, I, I'd say that there were two upsets with the Chargers going home as well. And yeah, all, all credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they were they were fantastic. Um, well, at least for part of the game anyway. Um, but, you know, they, they did it when it counted and they, and they got it done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been saying it all season. The Minnesota Vikings are frauds, and I also think the New York Giants are frauds, but, you know, they just frauded less than the Vikings last week. Uh, but, you know, fingers crossed they uh, they get cooked this week. Uh, they certainly will. Well, 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 I don't know if they certainly will. It, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I know you're very nervous. Um, obviously, the Eagles up against the Giants. They did meet only a couple of weeks ago in Week 18. That was a dead rubber, though, and... Obviously, most of the Giants sat that day. Jalen Hurts was still a little bit underdone, and I suppose before we get stuck into that game, let's let's just recap the the wild wild card weekend, as you put it, and, and like you said, an aptly named uh, weekend, of course. And I love the extra games uh, on wild card weekend. I mean, I know there was always a bit of a, a question mark and, and kind of fighting with a bit of tradition with the with the seventh team on each conference added, but it certainly added some spice uh, to wild card weekend. It is a bit rough that only the top seed kind of gets the, the buy, I suppose, when we, we're used to obviously seeing the top two. But I think uh, it's really worked really well, and, and in, in especially in the NFL's favour with the, the double header, I suppose, on a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it filled out the weekend really nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave us plenty of football to watch, which was, which was great. And they were just really good games. I mean, even the... Yeah, you know, the, the Bucks Cowboys game to finish off the weekend was still a really good game of football for for different reasons to some of the others. But you know, Bengals Ravens was close. Bills Dolphins was close. Uh, the, the Giants Vikings was relatively close. Jags Chargers came down to the wire. Uh, the Niners Seahawks, even though the the final margin was not that close for for a lot of the game, it kind of stayed within that that touchdown kind of touchdown and a half type of type of margin. And, and at one stage. You know, early in the second half, I thought the Seahawks were, were coming back into this, and um, we we're going to make a real charge for it. And then they kind of did; they played hard and and whatnot. But you know, the Niners are a, a different breed this season, and um, yeah, it was just just a weekend full of cracking gra- cracking games, and it was just thoroughly enjoyable from start to finish, except for you know the Giants winning and the Cowboys winning. the The rest of it was really good. <laughs> the NFC East foes, of course. Yeah, we saw three. Uh, well, there's three of the four teams left in the NFC are all from the NFC beast. So um, a big turnaround for that division, which has um, obviously been renowned as, as one of the worst divisions in football in recent years. But it's certainly... Well, two, two years ago, two years ago, it felt like none of the teams deserved to be in the playoffs, let alone three. And and, and at one stage a couple of weeks ago, it was possible that all four of them might have been there. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, it is a big turnaround, like you said. It's, it's kind of weird and gross and fascinating and of course the big storyline i suppose well one of the big storylines was of course the um the charges completely capitulating from a 27 nil uh first half lead of course that evan ingram touchdown made it a 20 point game heading into the half and i know we were you and i were chatting a little bit i was stuck at um 
Werribee Zoo while that game was on and I couldn't watch it properly and I was I was checking the score every minute because I could feel a comeback in my bones, especially when I saw they scored first in the in the second half. And we know the Chargers can charge her and they certainly did. And obviously, uh, of course, uh, Lombardi's paid the price, the offensive coordinator who's lost his job. And I know we'll get into a, a few of the sackings and firings that's happened uh, in the fallout since wildcard weekend. But what did you make of that game, in, I suppose, and kind of the Chargers going a bit into their shell? I know you've got to score more than three points in a in a half to kind of win a game of football, mm. but surely with that start, they, they should have put that game to bed and and, uh, and run away with a victory. 100%. I mean, it, this is it's, it's, it's a win-or-go-home game. I mean, you just don't you, – you can't play it safe mm. anymore. And, and I think we've kind of – we've discovered over the last two seasons that when Brandon Staley does that, the Chargers lose. And I, I don't know where to now for, for Brandon Staley and, and the Chargers. I'm kind of on the, you know, I've been a supporter of Staley and, and thought that he had the, the tools to kind of get the best out of this, this franchise and this roster, but I'm, I'm, I'm turning. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not sold anymore. And I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that maybe he's done everything you can do here. Uh, I, I kind of feel like they had so many chances to, to, you know, put the nail in the coffin of the Jags last weekend and just, didn't do it, couldn't do it, whatever it was. Uh, and they just, they should never have lost that game. They should never have lost that game. And I think, I think it comes down to coaching and I'm just not sure that Brandon Staley has got what it takes to lead that, lead that franchise any further. And I mean, some conversations around what someone like a Sean Payton mm-hmm. could do with that Chargers roster. And you know, that that's a pretty scary thought given the amount of talent on both sides of the ball uh, at the Chargers. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not sure that that's uh, that's going to be the only change made in the coaching ranks at uh, at Los Angeles. What I mean, how do you see that playing? Oh, out? to be honest, I, I thought um, he's he's done well to survive this week. To be honest, Brandon Staley, and, and like mm. you said, he might not. Um, you know, once once the dust settles a little bit more, but uh, uh, I think yeah, I think it came down to coaching as well, man. And I think that 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 team needs a bit of a, a refresh. I know they've underachieved the last couple of years, especially this year. Now with with that roster, they kind of put together, and especially I know they had a lot of injuries, but. To be losing twenty seven nil from from where they were um, against you know we know the Jags are a decent team they won their division but they're certainly not uh, an elite team like you know you could kind of understand it if the Chiefs or or someone like that That's came right. back and beat them uh, or the Bills or even the Bengals but against the Jags they should have put that game to bed and and obviously the the run game was the the real issue they couldn't run the ball in week three when the teams played and and they certainly couldn't run the ball against the Jags front line um, I know that again. The offensive line's been been battered and bruised all year, really, for the for the for the Chargers. But yeah, there's absolutely no way they should have lost that game. And yeah, I think he's a really stubborn guy, Brandon Staley. He certainly seems that way in all these <laughs> press conferences and kind of how he kind of um, portrays himself. But yeah, maybe there's some change needed uh, in LA at the Chargers. Uh, but of course, um, we'll, we'll touch on the other games quickly. Of course, we saw the Giants and Vikings play one of the more entertaining games I suppose um it was a kind of a high shoot scoring shootout with teams kind of taking their turns to score but it was ultimately that Vikings defense folding and, and folding pretty badly um the Giants moved the ball with ease I mean Daniel Jones looked like a a genuine superstar and and how he kind of you know picked apart that defense he used his legs really well uh and the Giants did what they needed to do on defense just made enough stops uh I know again um it's on probably the defense of the Vikings but I don't know. I mean, Kirk wasn't probably the answer, but I mean, Justin Jefferson just wasn't used enough, was he? Mm. Well, and and he he didn't take his opportunities when they came either. Um, 
And you're right about Daniel Jones. He, he kind of did everything they need to do. And, and we've talked about a number of times throughout the course of the season that, you know, what, what Brian Dayball has been doing with that offense is just getting him to do what he needs to do. Nothing special, uh, you know, not revolutionizing the game in, in New York. Just, you know, move the chains, let your superstar do the, do his job, get the, get the job done. And Saquon Barkley did that. Um, you know, he, he made the plays when he needed to. He didn't have the biggest game of his career by any any stretch, but, you know, did the things that he needed to do. And and Daniel Jones just kind of led them there. Um, and I thought that, you know, one of the things that has been the issue, I think, in for, for the Giants over the last couple of years, but especially this year, was it could never really get that receiver core kind of all humming at once. They'd have one, you know, you have one or two big weeks from a Richie James and then, you get one monster week from Darius Slayton and uh, you know, a couple of guys would put their hand up once or twice over the course of the season and so much was left to Saquon Barkley. But yeah, I thought last week what what they did with Daniel Jones and, and the receiving core is that they got that kind of you know, impactful contribution from a number of guys through the air. Um, and then, like I said, let Saquon Barkley do the business close to the close to goal and you know, just just got the job done. And, and I like I said, I don't think they did anything, anything special. I, I don't think that they, you know, completely outplayed the Vikings. I thought the Vikings were horrible. Um, but you know, they, they just got the job done. Like they've done, you know, most of the season that, you know, when, when it's come to those moments they you know, they, they had enough to get it done and, and they did it again. Yeah. I mean, the other one that you probably just missed out there was Isaiah Hodgins, who's been a revelation in the back half of this year. He's um he was brewing and had a, a huge game with over a hundred yards in his postseason debut. Who was, you know, he he was cut and released by the Bills only um, a year ago or so, and and he's certainly come of age uh, in the back half of the season. He's had a really outstanding season, and then their rookie tight end Daniel Ballinger has been a really good red zone target for Jones as well. And and like you said, he's just playing to the strengths of their team, doing what he needs to. And Brian Dable's kind of unlocked. Uh, Danny Dimes back, and and I suppose he's probably played himself into a, a, a contract next year. We know obviously he wasn't he wasn't um, a short of a spot on that roster. I suppose moving forward as his mm. contract was coming to an end this year. But I think um, you know with the playoff run and, and now winning a playoff game, their first in over a decade. I think he's done enough to earn a earn a contract for next year and beyond. Obviously, despite what happens, I think against the Eagles this week, which. Um, you know, who never know, you never know. I, I think his story probably does come to an end at some uh, this week, but uh, you know, funnier things have happened in the game of football, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll play, we'll watch that with a uh, great interest. Uh, the other one, the, the interesting one, the interesting one, obviously, in that discussion is Lamar Jackson, and you know, what happens there because I think that he would be a really good fit. Uh, with the Giants, but I'm, I don't think the uh, the Vikings let him go that easily. No, I, I don't think Yeah, I mean, that's that's one we can we're going to probably touch on in a bit around the around the quarterback markets. And just quickly, lastly, of course, we finished um, Wild Card Weekend with a pretty embarrassing game for for Tampa Bay, to be honest. And, and look, I mean, in all right, in in all seriousness, they're probably a bit lucky to to be there in, in the playoffs. I mean, they were very mm. lucky they were in very the worst division in football, and you know below 500 and then they played like a team that was below 500, didn't they? I mean, Dak was was pretty great. He, he actually had a almost near perfect game and uh, especially after, you know, hadn't he'd been throwing a pick every week since week 11 and the big difference was he didn't turn the ball over. The Cowboys uh, managed to get obviously a red zone intercept from Tom Brady, which is very, very rare, especially in the playoff game and he, he looks shot, doesn't he, Brady? And I suppose, yeah, yeah I don't know if he's going to be coming back to Tampa next year and 
he played like a guy that's uh, come to an end, I think. But uh, the Bucks have deeper problems than just the quarterback, I think. Uh, it certainly looks like a terrible decision in so many ways for Tom Brady to come back to football at all this season. I mean, he's, he's given up a lot to, to be here for that sort of performance, you know, in, in the postseason. Uh, you know, really, really disappointing if you're a, a Bucks fan. But, you know, like you said, they probably didn't even deserve to be there. They've had that type of season that has just been, you know, such a depressing, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of journey experience for, for the Bucks, and, and certainly not what they would have been expecting uh, when, you know, Tom Brady announced that he was coming back. And um, certainly the, there's question marks. You know, I, I can't see him returning to Tampa Bay. Uh, and and there's question marks around the rest of the around the rest of the roster and and the coaching staff in in Tampa as well. Yeah, for sure, uh, absolutely. And the Cowboys have they done enough to potentially show that they can be a threat in San Francisco this week? Look, they were good. They were good, but it's it's really hard to tell because the Bucks were just terrible. It's it's really hard. And and we know the Cowboys are good. We know that they've got so much talent. Uh, their second half of the season has not been what they would have expected after the first half. Uh, but, you know, the, the Niners are, are the class team at the moment. They're, they're the hottest team in the league. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether the Cowboys have got it in them at the moment. They're, it's certainly a different prospect, the, the Niners in uh, in San Francisco than uh, Tampa Bay. Well, it's a good little segue into our next talking point that we wanted to run through. And it's, of course, Revolves around the quarterback and of, of the San Francisco and the, and the other game we, we didn't touch on, but the San Francisco 49ers looked in a little bit of trouble early, obviously trailing at the half, but they were lights out in the second half. And it was thanks to a huge performance and, and you know, didn't look overawed at all from uh, Brock Purdy, who really is, looks like the best quarterback in, in that franchise now, doesn't he? And, and a, clear, oh. a clear number one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just he's just kind of settled in so nicely. He's got you know, a heap of composure. He never gets worried or, or frazzled. Uh, he's got a good arm. You know, he hits targets um, and just looks like he's been there for years. It's it's one of those things. Like I saw someone on Twitter uh, talking about how it's it's incredible that you know the books and punters keep fading San Francisco because of of Brock Purdy at QB. And I'm like, why? Mm. Like this guy's proven over the last month or six weeks that he's the best QB in, in San Francisco. And I've had people even say to me in, in person, you know, imagine if if the Niners had Jimmy G under center and, and how unbeatable they'd be then. But I think Jimmy G's not as good. He doesn't offer as many as many options. Um, you know, he's, he's a good game manager, but his arm's not the same. He doesn't have the legs. Uh, his vision's not that great. Um I think Brock Purdy's the right man at the right time for San Francisco. And, you know, they've got the roster around him to make it happen. Uh, he doesn't need to do everything, you know, to, to a, an incredibly high level. He's doing it anyway. But, you know, he's got the guys around him. We've got McCaffrey and Samuel and, uh, you know, Ayuk and uh, George Kittle. I mean, there's, there's so many options there. And then their defense is just lights out. So, you know, he's just got to get the job done. And, and he's he's done it week after week since he came in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like you said, it, it's it's getting it to the point where you need to start believing this kid. He 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 just shows he's got, you know, years, you know, experience of beyond his years. And he's just an absolute class act. And, and he's certainly got all the skill set to be a successful successful quarterback in this league. And, and like you said, he's got all the weapons around him. He's, he's in the perfect position and, and, and great timing for him to kind of start, start his NFL career. But like you said, I think he's the clear number one choice in San Francisco and they look like a much better team with him at, at starting at the QB position. So like you said, timing's everything in, in sport and 
Brock Purdy and the Niners might have timed their run perfectly, but uh, it's uh, a far cry from what you know a lot of experts were saying season over once um, Jimmy G went down. So an unbelievable turnaround for Brock or for the, for the franchise to, to bring in Brock Purdy, who was obviously just been ready to go in since training camp. I just don't. I don't see how they make a change for the rest of this season, at the very mm. least. But what if they go all the way with Brock Purdy at, at QB? What do they do next season? You know, they, they've kind of gone chips in with with Trey Lance. Uh, obviously, they kept Jimmy G as the backup, uh, and the backup's gone down. And now you've got the backups backup in in Brock Purdy. But yeah, you know, he's shown the most out of any of them all season. Um, I, there's some question marks around what happens at, at quarterback in San Francisco next season. But I just, I don't see how they could make how they could possibly make a change, you know, for, for the rest of this season. doesn't even matter how far they yeah, go. Yeah, well, let's – absolutely. I think um, let's get into that now uh, around the quarterback merry-go-round before we get stuck into um, a few of the few of the extra sackings and, and job interviews going on um, post-wildcard weekend. But, yeah, the quarterback merry-go-round, it's always fascinating uh, this time of year to find um, players in new positions. And I was chatting to a friend today about, yeah, teams that need a new home for quarterbacks. And there's, there's not a heap. I mean, there's a few, but there's not like a long, long list like there have been in past years. But let's start with that conversation about Brock Purdy. And like you said, I completely agree. I think he's won that spot regardless of what happens now. I think I don't think that he loses this week, but even if they did somehow um, lose to the Cowboys, I think he's earned that starting spot to be their week one starter. Obviously, Trey Lance probably won't be ready for week one, but he's he's obviously going to be on their roster. And he's he was um, you know such a high draft pick that they're, they've kind of committed to him. Jimmy Garoppolo probably has to find another home, and, and there'll be plenty of homes for him. I mean, teams like Carolina, uh, Houston, for instance, um, even a, a backup like somewhere in Chicago, the Rams, if, if Stafford comes back or not. Uh, there's question marks. Kyler Murray might, won't be ready for week one, so what do the Cardinals do? Do they kind of get a, a, a stop gap in while they wait for Kyler? Uh, the Falcons, do they do they they stick with Desmond Ritter or do they, do they go after a more experienced quarterback? I think, for the record, I think Lamar Jackson would be a – an unbelievable fit in Atlanta and uh, in that city. And and with the talent, I suppose that there is some nice pieces there for Lamar to work with in the running backs, uh, obviously Cole Pitch, Drake London, and then a decent defense. But what appeals to me for Lamar in Atlanta is that division is so weak at the moment. Just get out of the AFC North, mate. Help yourself. Um, get out of the AFC for one. I mean, there's quarterbacks galore in the AFC. The NFC's wide open at the moment, completely wide open. And, and mm. I think the NFC South would be a perfect landing spot for Lamar Jackson as much as it would be great to see him in the big lights of, of New York. But, yeah, what, where do you think um, the quarterback merry-go-round lands and, and kind of who's who's looking for a, for a spot? It's it's a really interesting one. And I think, you know, it, it felt like in the in the preseason, at the end of, of last season, like we said, the Niners kind of went chips in on, on Trey Lance. And the, I think it was a fair enough decision to make at the time, but you've then – kind of invested in Christian McCaffrey on the ground. And so how do you fit those two both playing at the same time, the same game? You know, you've got to, you've got to feed Christian McCaffrey and Trey Lance needs the ball in his hands to, to use his legs. Um, so I don't know how you get those two to work together. I think you need a throwing QB. Um, I think you need a pass first quarterback in, in San Francisco with Christian McCaffrey because he's so dangerous and you need to work around that. Um, so I don't think that Trey Lance is the man anymore, and I think that they've kind of moved on. I think potentially he could be the backup. Yeah, I don't see Jimmy G sticking around another year in San Francisco. Um, but there's you know there's a few there's a few 
options opening up. I mean, the Raiders have has, have opened up, and and where Derek Carr lands is is a big one. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. You know, where does he end up? Is does he stay in Green Bay another year? Does he does he move on? I, I kind of feel like he moves. Um, yeah, there's a couple. I mean, what happens in Chicago? There's so many question marks about Chicago. Do they keep Justin Fields? Do they trade Justin Fields and and go chips in on on that? You know, uh, that that early pick with with one of the two, you know, big guns in in the draft, or do they trade that that early pick and and go chips in on Justin Fields? Like, there's there's huge question marks. They could do neither of those and and go, you know, with something else. They could take a, a Derek Carr, for instance, and and do a bunch of other things with that. Um, with that early pick. So who knows, but there's, I, I still think there's a lot of water to go under this, under this bridge with that, that quarterback merry-go-round. And I think we're going to see a lot of movement like we have over the last few years. It just hasn't quite happened yet, but I think that there's, there's going to be quite a few moves made um, and, and maybe a couple of surprising ones as well. One of the ones that I was thinking about as, as you were talking about Atlanta for Lamar Jackson is New Orleans for Lamar Jackson. I, you know, I think that he'd be great there with Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah. They've got some talent through the air that, you know, real underrated talent, uh, I think as well um, that that he could utilize and and speed uh, and their defense is is pretty good. Uh, you know there there could be worse landing spots for Lamar than uh, than New Orleans as well and and maybe it is a a battle of the NFC South to to get that signature. But again, I, I'm not sure that the the Ravens kind of let him go that easily. Yeah, I think I think the Ravens ultimately do sign him and and keep him keep him in that yeah. franchise, which would be a bit of blow for any of the, their rivals, but uh, a good win for the Ravens. They need to keep him. He's obviously their franchise quarterback. He's we saw the team and they've completely built their entire roster around exactly, him. and we saw the team completely. I mean, they were pretty good against the Bengals, to be honest. Uh, pretty stiff to to kind of cough up that um, yeah. late touchdown, but um, they do look like a different team without without Lamar there, of course, and. Um, they just need to get him a wide receiver, don't they? I mean, it hasn't worked. Mm. Rashad Bateman obviously got injured this year, but he, you know, he was on the right trajectory, but he wasn't like that complete breakout number one wide receiver. Mark Andrews had a bit of a, a down year with, um, you know, all the extra coverage he would have got this year. And obviously, again, a few injuries. They just need to get him some help. Someone he can throw the ball to. And D-hop. D-hop. Ooh, that would be nice. That would be nice. For what it's <laughs> worth, I think, I think Derek Carr might end up in... Um, the Big Easy, I think he might end up in New Orleans. Um, can sign yeah. and see that fit happening, and I think he'll leave the AFC. I think he'll find himself at an NFC club, which uh, only leaves you really with with a team like Carolina or or the New Orleans Saints, or or, or for that matter, Atlanta. But I think he might be the best fit yeah. in in New Orleans at this stage. And um, yeah, I think so much revolves this in this quarterback merry-go-round around what Aaron Rodgers does and, and if he decides to retire or if he decides to play for another franchise. But like you, the more this like drags out, the less I think he might be at Green Bay. But, I mean, obviously he's got that massive contract to, to uphold in a way. I mean, you know, contracts don't mean too much in sport these days, we know. However, if you've signed a contract, you will get paid, I assume. So, I mean, obviously like mm. guys like and- Cliff Kingsbury be living off that for a while and um, – <laughs> But yeah, I think that the dominoes fall around Aaron Rodgers, and we probably said the same thing at this time last year. And obviously, we saw quite a, a few things go on with um, Matt Ryan. We saw obviously Russell Wilson, the biggest one, and a, and a number of others kind of finding new homes, Baker Mayfield, uh, etc. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's always a fascinating. Con- I mean, contracts aside, and costs and all that sort of stuff, you know. Those two vets, you know, the former MVPs in Rodgers and Brady, 
would both love to be in San Francisco if they were going to play on another year. I mean, the Niners, with that offense, with that defense behind them, yeah, they, that would be the ultimate landing spot for both of those guys, I think. If if they were to, if they could choose any franchise in, in the league, I think that they probably look at San Francisco and go, this is the one that I want for my final year, final years, et cetera, um, because I think I can win a Super Bowl. I think I can win an MVP. Uh, and you know, make that make that final move of the career. Well, both California natives, both grew up in that area and would love to play for their hometown team, I, I suppose. And it's something that kind of has been floated for Aaron Rodgers for a while. And I suppose the jungle drums don't go away with with Tom Brady potentially ending up there. But that would be crazy to um, you know potentially. I'm not well, actually. I'm not going to say it. But a guy named Brock Purdy, um, <laughs> who's got a lot of similarities, let's say to to Tom Brady, um, mainly their draft order at this stage. I won't go any further than that. But uh, yeah, who knows? I don't think that'd be a wise decision for the Niners to pursue either of those um, players at this stage of their careers. I, I agree. I mean, I guess it comes down to that final decision. You know, maybe if if they don't win this week, you know, maybe they they do make that kind of big you know last big splash there's not many other there's not many other holes in the in the franchise in the in the roster at all i'm not saying that that qb is a hole because like i said i think brock purdy's doing a great job and i i would personally stay with with brock purdy but there's an argument to made if you get real close this season and you fall over it you know the, the last or second last hurdle that maybe you do you know one last big splash to, to try and get you over the hump for next season is uh is aaron Rodgers. yeah I, I I can see why teams would be would lean that way, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'd I'd let Aaron kind of sail off into the sunset if that's what he wanted to do. To be honest, but yeah. uh, not that I don't think he's got the talent. I agree. But I think it might be time to to move on from those guys. Uh, a couple of people that are moving on, and that's a couple of the coordinators at some some teams that were bundled out of the playoffs this week. Starting with uh, let's start with the offensive quarter I mentioned off the top, Joe Lombardi for the Chargers. He's gone he's been sacked um and his his head coach Brendan Staley I think like we said a little bit lucky to be still in that position at this stage uh, a couple of defensive court oh sorry another offensive coordinate uh coordinator Byron Leftwich from the, the Bucks who have obviously won a Super Bowl there a couple of years ago and it's been there for four or five seasons he's he's been let go uh defensive coordinator from the Vikings uh he's gone as well Donatel uh Ed Donatel he's he's been sacked and yeah, and rightly so. Again, that that defense completely collapsed late in the season, and and then hadn't been great all season to be honest. But especially in the back half of the season, they they were exposed uh, horribly and just couldn't get a stop. And and the Giants, you know, if they had another couple more possessions, they would have just scored even more. And, and it was just they just scored enough points to, to win that game. They could have easily probably put on a lot more. And I suppose from there, where do we go? And and what kind of happens with a few of the vacant job positions like in Arizona and and Denver? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, is this the off season that Eric Benimi mm-hmm. finally gets that that head coach's role? I, I kind of feel like it has to be now. There's there's a number of options around. Uh, the, the big question mark is what happens with Sean Payton. You know, does Sean Payton come back, and if so, where? You know, it looks like uh, Denver and Houston are the ones that he's he's interviewed with. Uh, I can't see the benefit of him going to Houston. I mean, unless it's for a massive payday, I just can't see. What the why he would do that um, over Denver, where you know that there's pieces to work with. There's there's a baseline and a benchmark, and there is talent there. We we know the issues they faced this year, and yeah, I just I'm not sure that Sean Payton lets those sorts of sort of performances slide. Um, and you know, I mean, probably the, the 
the greatest mind outside of uh, Bill Belichick in, in terms of coaching um, across the board. You know, there's a number of incredibly good defensive coaches. There's a number of incredibly good offensive coaches. And Sean Payton's just got a bit of everything. He's, he's kind of an offensive genius, but he also knows how to how to you know run run a defense. And and you know has had one of the top three defenses in the competition for about 15 years straight in, in New Orleans. So, you know, I, I think that he would be the perfect guy for Denver and, and to, to kind of reinvigorate Russell Wilson and, and that offense. Um, but, you know, Eric Benimi could also do some good things with, with Russell Wilson and that, and that offense. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. Cause I think he's kind of the, the, the obvious one out of all the, the coordinators. Uh, I, it seems likely that the Eagles are probably going to lose two, if not three of their coordinators, uh, this off season with, with a number of teams kind of looking for Shane Steichen and um, Gannon and, and uh, a couple of those, those guys from the, the coaching staff. So, you know, th- there is going to be, there is going to be a lot of movement as there is every year. Um, but, you know, th- there's a lot of, there's a lot of options out there at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree around the Peyton. That would be a, very surprising move if he did end up in the Texans. Unless he's got something in the water, you never know. With Sean Payton, he could have um, talked to Lamar or someone like that, but who, who knows? That's but true. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a better landing spot in Denver for him. But yeah, very interesting to make out um, what's going to happen in the head coaching positions. Obviously, um, Arizona and, and, and Houston are the teams that look like they could be rebuilding. I mean, I know Arizona have been more in the win now mode, but uh, they certainly look like they could do with a bit of a refresh and a rebuild and well, and support. when you move away, you, you start moving away from your GM and stuff yeah. at the same time. I think it kind of that 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 kind of is in the winds already. That there's some sort of rebuild happening for for the Cardinals. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, before we get stuck into the, the divisional round matchups, the four matches we've got to look ahead to, uh, let's have a quick prediction. And uh, I want you to name me your Super Bowl winner, mate. Oh, it's, it it's is really so tough. Still, it's, um, it's really really tough, and and. Trying to stay away from you know my emotional choice, which I think everybody knows. I think I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think, I think they're you know the, the AFC's hottest team. You know we, we know the Niners and uh, what they've they've done in the NFC over the last eleven weeks. Uh, the Bengals are doing something similar, just probably not to the same extent, not with the same sort of fanfare. But uh, yeah, I think that the Bengals, if they can get past the Bills this week, and and yeah, the potential for them to play the Chiefs, and they've had the wood on the Chiefs over the last you know last couple of seasons. Um, that they can they can get that done, and you know, one off Super Bowl matchup against almost any anybody, anything can happen. So, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have a little play on the Bengals from here on in. I do like the Bengals as well. I think they're they're, they're primed to go. They did worry me a lot. I thought we both probably thought they were going to walk in the park against the Ravens, and it it probably looked that way early. We saw an early pick. They scored early, and then it kind of just stopped for again. They looked a little bit to go in their shell. They, they were getting three and outs over and over. They just weren't kind of, um, I suppose, exciting with their play calling. It's probably not a great term. But, I mean, they weren't like really just putting the foot down and, and it kind of paid a price and the Ravens were able to run their way back into that game and uh, looked really good when they did run the football. So there's an opportunity for the Bills, who we know aren't a great rushing team, but uh, I think the Josh Allen should be using his legs a lot in that game. Uh, this weekend, which I can't wait for. And, of course, it's a rematch of that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago where we didn't get to see uh, mm-hmm. that matchup, sadly. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of emotion in that stadium uh, in Buffalo, of course, with the return belt, I suppose, with the Bills and the Bengals. But I, I think the Super Bowl winner at this stage comes from the NFC, and I think I'd have to ride with the Niners at the moment. I mean, I know 
the Eagles have been awesome all year. And, you know, Jalen Hurts getting injured at that time just kind of has de- not derailed him, I wouldn't say, but it's just a little speed bump for the for the Eagles who obviously looked a different yeah. team without him. The, the defense kind of been exposed a little bit. I mean, there's, they allowed a few more points. They haven't looked as dominant, the O-line as well. But ultimately, I think they're potentially, oh, I don't want to say the two best teams in it, but I'd love to see, obviously, that, that matchup, the Eagles and the Niners, who we haven't seen this year. One of the few playoff um, matches that we haven't seen this year. A lot of these teams have already played each other. And, you know, everyone last week, for instance, there was a lot of division rivals that played each other. We saw some... Uh, everyone else had played each other at least once in the regular season. So, yeah, can't wait for a few different matchups this week and, and beyond potentially. But Niners are the team I am riding with for the rest of the season. Uh, not an emotional tip. That is certainly with my head. I'd love to see the uh, uh, the Bills-Eagles in a, in, a net, in a Super Bowl. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. I, I, look, they're, they're hard to bet against. And, and it's you, you can't argue with that, with the Niners. And, and what they've done over the last three months has been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, and you know, rightly so. I think they're the favourite out of the NFC at the moment. Uh, you know, there, there's some tough matchups with any. You know, once you get through this week, it's every, every matchup's a tough one. Um, and you know, you, you mentioned Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. I think uh, Jason Kelsey's been just as big a uh, an out for the Eagles over that period. Mm. Um, you know, he's the best centre in the in the league in my eyes, and um, you know, has been as much of an omission. Um, and a loss to the Eagles as Jalen Hurts, uh, and yeah, you know, I think they're both you know they're both kind of fit and raring to go this week, which is a great thing for the Eagles. But you know, is it is it too late? It's it's one of the big question marks. Like you said, maybe it hasn't derailed them, but you know, there's certainly a lot more question marks about the uh, the Eagles as you know than there were a month ago. For sure, for sure, and there. Um, my bad for not mentioning Jason Kelsey because, of course, so important to what the um, the Eagles do, of course, in, in protecting their quarterback. And, uh, yeah, like you said, probably arguably the best center in the game, if not definitely the top two or three. So uh, can't wait to get stuck into these games with you, mate. Uh, do you want to have a quick whip around the grounds from last week um, before we head into these games? Oh, I think the important the important one is the lock of the week, and we got that up. Uh, and. Yeah, I think we we called that game perfectly. Forget about the rest of the games. We, there's not much to talk about from a betting perspective in those ones. But yeah, we called that game perfectly. Yeah, exactly right. And look, I, like I said, I was a bit worried at halftime. I mean, the Seahawks came out um, and surprised a few, but uh, they got their 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 ass into gear pretty quickly in that second half, didn't they? I mean, um, they're pretty explosive when they want to be the Niners, and of course, created those turnovers as well. But uh, I was happy I got the Jags home. Uh, it was probably the worst watch of the all time, but we got the Jags over the line with the plus one, but everything else was a miserable fail for us. The Bills and the Bengals, who we both thought would cover comfortably, just didn't get the job done. I mean, they both won, but they they um, needed a lot to win. The Bengals missed by, the Bengals, Bengals missed by half a point. Was it only end. seven and a half? Uh, yeah, yeah seven and a half was the line. They won by seven. Uh, Bills was the big one. I, I really thought that they were going to roll over the top of the Dolphins comfortably, and it's one of the big talking points coming to this one. Um, and you know potentially why there's some movement on on the Bengals this week. Yeah, look, I mean the turnovers killed the, the Bills last week. We know, you know, without them, the Dolphins weren't in the contest, and um, you know the defense finally showed up for the Dolphins, who you know have, have got the talent there. Just they hadn't really been showing up recently and helping that offense. Um, you know, without without their two starting quarterbacks, but. Um, 
they got a big lift out of that defense, which almost um, almost won them the game. There was a few unlucky play calls, I suppose, and and obviously delays of games and things going on in in Miami last week. Uh, sorry, in Buffalo last week for Miami, but um, yeah, that was a that was a tense watch that one. And of course, we probably both flagged that the Giants should be. We it was a complete stay out for a reason, but uh, we both kind of flagged that the Giants could be pulling off an upset there, but uh, didn't have the balls to to lay it out. But like you said, the main thing is that the lock of the week got up. So we're back in the black in at nine and eight. So let's keep it rolling into this week. And it looks like uh, a precursor is that we might be sticking fat with the Niners this week. But uh, let's get stuck into the opening game of the weekend. Of course, it is a Sunday morning game here in our time again, Saturday in the US. And it's the Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Jacksonville up against the Kansas City Chiefs, fresh off their bye last week. Chiefs come in at minus eight and a half point favorites, and the total is fifty two and a half. Yeah, well, look, it's, it's it's a tough one. I think anybody who's listened to this show over the last couple of years knows how I feel about betting the Chiefs at the line, and, and I really want to. I really want to because I think that they win. I think they win it comfortably, and, and I really think that the Jags have kind of yeah they've done a good job this season. They've done a really really good job. I, I'm impressed by them, but this is now a different league. This is the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes in playoffs. You know, for a, a championship game spot, uh, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to let this one slip. But I just can't, I can't bet that based on their their against the spread trends and, and runs over the last couple of years. The, the one thing that I do like is uh, tight end bets for, for Kansas City. Jacksonville are the worst team in the league when it comes to defending the tight end position, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And in their opponent this week, they have arguably the best quarterback tight end combination in NFL history. We know over time that we've seen, you know, Phil Rivers and Antonio Gates, Brady and Gronk, Romo Witten, Elway and Sharp, even going back to those Broncos days. Um, but, you know, this is Mahomes and, and Jason Kelsey, probably the most devastating one-two punch in the modern NFL, the current NFL, I should say. But, you know, potentially the, the best tight end QB uh, combination in the history of the game. And, um, like I said, I think the Chiefs win this. I think they win it well. Um, but given that stat uh, above about defending tight ends and the fact that they also have the, the third worst pass defense DVOA in the league as well, pretty comfortable playing Kelsey and Mahomes in this one outside of the kind of the game lines and, and totals, etc. cetera. Um, Kelsey has scored a, a touchdown in six of the Chiefs' last seven postseason games. So Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, dollar eighty, I think is, is a, a pretty solid – Bet even at the dollar eighty, I think it feels like value. Uh, Kelsey over eighty one and a half receiving yards, dollar eighty eight. Again, seems pretty solid. Um, I think he's gone over ninety one or ninety three or something in in eight straight or something in, in the postseason. Uh, Patrick Mahomes over three hundred ten and a half passing yards at a dollar eighty eight as well. Again, pretty comfortable with. If you want some added value, Travis Kelsey first touchdown at seven seventy five. But if you put those first three, the anytime touchdown. Over eighty-one and a half receiving yards, and and Mahomes over three ten uh, into a same game multi. You get four four bucks, and you can probably shop around and boost it and see if you can get an extra thirty, forty, fifty cents, or, or whatever, and, and have a play around. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing Mahomes and Kelsey in this one outside of any of the the game the game lines. What have you got in this one? Yeah, look, hard to argue. Firstly, on on any of that, for, but uh, of course the the tight end uh, quarterback duo. Of course, if they're not already the best ever, they 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 definitely should finish that way. I mean, they're on the trajectory. They're still very young into their respective careers together, I suppose. And I mean, obviously, Kelsey's a little bit older than Mahomes, but they're going to surpass pretty much every every tight end uh, um, and quarterback duo record. So look out, Gronk and Brady. In every 
in, I think in every stat imaginable, I would have thought. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, completely agree. I mean, the one thing I'm worried about, and this is something I kind of precursed to you before we came on air, and I didn't know if you knew this or not, but Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. And, of course, last week he was down 27-0 and he found a way to win on a Saturday. Now that Tell (laughs) tell the listeners what this number is because this is incredible. So in high school, college, and, of course, now in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence is a perfect 37-0. 37-0 at three ridiculously high levels of football. Well, at least college and... And uh, the NFL, of course. And and he would have played a couple of games, not just obviously last week. He probably would have played another one or two in the NFL. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but obviously in college, he was an absolute star. He won the national champ at Clemson and, and obviously goes back to high school as well. He's never lost on uh, Saturday. So that is what I worry in the back of my mind. But saying all that, I completely agree. I think the Chiefs will win. Did the Jags play their Super Bowl last week? Potentially, but... Uh, I won't be betting against uh, betting with the Chiefs this week. You've got me worried about taking the Chiefs at the minus lines, especially when it comes to over a touchdown. Mm. They they don't have a great record at covering. And look, I think they win and, and win comfortably, but uh, just won't have the balls to kind of play make it a play this week. Completely uh, agree with the same guy. Multi love that that love that um, Kelsey Mahomes kind of um, honing in on those two to, to have a big game and yeah, the added value of the first touchdown score or someone else who who's been scoring touchdowns for fun recently for the Chiefs, and he, he holds now a new NFL record, is Jerick McKinnon, who's mm. a running back that's caught a touchdown pass in the last five or six games. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it's five or six in a row, which is um, the NFL record. It might even be six now, but look for him to potentially get into the end zone again. He's been a, a huge weapon for Patrick Mahomes. Um, obviously, Clyde Edwards-Alaire started the season as the number one running back and completely has disappeared from from the um, the lineup as such. I know he's had a few injury concerns, but Pacheco, the the rookies come in, and, and Jerick McKinnon, the vet, has, has, has certainly stepped up and been a huge, huge weapon for Patrick Mahomes, who certainly hasn't got the the weapons he's used to having uh, in the wide receiving core. So to have McKinnon as as almost his second favorite target at the moment, it's been a huge boost for for the Chiefs. But they do look the class above, obviously at home. They they don't lose often at home. Uh, especially in the playoffs as well. But, uh, yeah, I think um, the Chiefs will, will can continue their run. Um, they've um, had uh, eight years in a row in the playoffs, the longest active streak in the league. And, uh, you know, they've got the experience in the playoffs compared to this young Jags team who would have, you know, be full of confidence after what happened last week, especially in the second half where they completely turned things around. And Trevor Lawrence looked unbelievable. Uh, it was just chalk and cheese after four picks in the first half to throw. Um, you know, some really, really good touchdown passes, not just, um, you know, there were long bombs and, and some beautiful throws. And uh, if he can, yeah, again, just keep turnovers to a minimum, if if not at all, um, they're right in this, the Jags potentially, but uh, I think the class edge will show through and, and the Chiefs will get it done. So the Chiefs do advance, but uh, no play for me in this one. After the Chiefs beat the Jags, uh, we moved to the NFC. <laughs> and Sunday afternoon, 12.15, I know where Nick will be. He'll be very nervously watching his Eagles. They are up against the New York Giants, of course. A huge divisional matchup in the divisional round. The Philly Eagles go in as the big favourites. Minus 7.5, total 48.5. Do they get it done, mate? Mate, you're, I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. It, it would be a disaster to lose this game. It would be an absolute disaster to lose this game. Uh, and I'm not sure I can think of anything worse except maybe 
losing to the Dallas Cowboys next week. Um, but <laughs> look, we, we've got to get there next week for for that to even be a possibility. But look, I, I don't think that we lose this one. I think that they're kind of getting back to you know that that kind of prime position. I, I know that Jalen Hurts isn't going to quite be be a hundred percent, but I think that you know another week he could be pretty close. Um, but sh- surely, surely we can't lose to this pack of frauds. Pack of frauds. It's a bit rough considering what they did last week. They were very good. I mean, I like no I like... because they beat another pack of frauds, <laughs> and they were awful. Yeah, look, you're right. They were they were dreadful. The, the Vikings and and the the Giants were very good. They were they played near perfect football as I mentioned off the top. Danny Dimes was was excellent. Over 300 yards passing. He also led the team in rushing with 78 yards. He, he looked very good. It was his first playoff appearance, if you can believe that. I know he's been in the league a few times, but um, obviously the Giants haven't been in the playoffs since he's started, and they got their first winning, playoff win in 11 years, which uh, is a big, big monkey off the back for the G-men. But, uh, yeah, I think it might be a step too far this week against a very, very, very good football team in the Philadelphia Eagles, who have essentially been the best team in the league for the for the majority of the season, if not the whole season. You can still argue that, you know, on paper they, they are built for the success and, and still the best team in the league. So I can't wait and can't wait for Jalen Hurts to, to show what he's got in the playoffs, obviously made the playoffs again last year, but um, this one going in at home as a favorite, can't wait for him to, sh- to kind of ball out. And, and hopefully he has a big game because he, he deserves it. He's had an unbelievable year and, and let's hope the Eagles can, can uh, get through to next week and, and host a, an NFC championship game because it's the, the least you can, you, you deserve. So I think, um, the Eagles get it done again. Um, you've talked me out of having a play here. I do want to play the Eagles minus seven and a half, but um, my friend Nick will tell me it's a no play in Eagles game. So we'll just cross our fingers. Maybe a, a little player, a few player props. Maybe something around um, around uh, the passing game. I, I think they'll look mm-hmm. to pass more than I know they're a run first kind of team. The Eagles, but I think they'll try and look to unlock AJ Brown pretty early in this one. And and if if he's not open, Devontae Smith's a pretty handy second wide out to throw it to. So I think those two can be the, the standouts. Maybe Dallas Goddard gets into the end zone. There's a few different plays I like, but uh, I think the Eagles. Boston, Boston Scott, Boston Scott, any time touchdown. He could be the giant killer. Bucks for that. I think he's, I think he's scored in, I think he's scored in three games, uh, three or four games against the Giants over the last couple of years. So Boston Scott, any time right. touchdown. Well, I want to have a quick look for his price because he, he would be obviously one of the more obscure I mean, not to all NFL fans, but to to be, um, let's have a quick scan through Boston Scott as I go down. I go down. I keep going down. We're getting some good value. Five forty. There you go. Yeah, don't mind it. Don't mind it. Nice. Have a little play there. Nice. Yeah, AJ Brown. Um, I think might have a big game, and and um, and Jalen Hurts potentially as well to get into the end zone. But uh, the Eagles to win uh, and set up a, a pretty tantalising showdown next week against. Uh, what we think is going to be the Niners. Let's let's just go there. But um, we'll move on to the next game. And it's the first game on Monday morning, 7 a.m., of course. And like I said, a huge rematch of these two teams after a suspended game a couple of weeks ago. And it's the Cincinnati Bengals, this time traveling to the Buffalo Bills at Orchid Park. The Bills go in as minus five and a half point favorites, total 49 and a half. It's a really interesting one, this one. I, I... You know, you guys love you, you guys know that I love using data and rankings and you know stats, etc., to to kind of inform my plays uh, as much as possible. But I've been reading a, a little bit this week, and and Yahoo Sports uh, betting analyst Pamela Maldonado has said a couple of times over the, the course of the season that data is just a number until you confirm 
the meat of information. And, and I guess, you know, it's just using, you know, numbers, numbers are great to inform, but, you know, you, you've got to use the eye test and you've got to use reality and logic at, at the same time. And yeah, Buffalo have the the fourth best defensive DVOA in the league, but they just allowed 31 points to the Miami Dolphins without Tua, uh, featuring an offense that was either missing some key parts or banged up from injury. Uh, yeah, the Bills allowed four different receivers receptions of 19 plus yards uh, with their backup backup quarterback. And yeah, it, that that should be a, a, a real worry for Buffalo uh, because over the final 11 games of the regular season, Joe Burrow led the league in touchdown passes. He ranked second in completion percentage, was second in passing yards, despite playing some really strong defenses like the Ravens twice, Tampa Bay and the Steelers on the road. And, and that Steelers team, you know, tw- twice with uh, TJ Watt coming back as well. But, um, you know, Bengals points don't necessarily need to come from Joey B and, and the offense either. They, they can come from from the defense and Bills QB Josh Allen leads the league in turnovers in 2022, equal second in interceptions. Cincinnati ranks eighth in the league for takeaways. I mean, there's potential for some Bengals uh, Bengals points on on defense as well. We know the Bills can put points on the board. They are the second most efficient offense after all, according to DVOA over the course of the season. So, you know, I guess the whole point of this is that I think the the total of forty nine and a half is probably a touch low, and I'm thinking that this is like a fifty four, fifty five, fifty six point game, uh, and so I'm playing the overs here, and, and probably a little play on on the Bengals at the plus line at five and a half. Anything there for you, mate? Yeah, it's the more I think about it, the more I want to do it. But official no play at this stage, but I think the Bengals are very underrated in this matchup. I mean, there's no way I don't think that they should be that far apart, maybe a field goal to the Bills. But five and a half is a very, very generous line on the Cincinnati Mm. Bengals, who have essentially been the best team in the AFC over the last half of the year. They haven't lost, what, nine, ten weeks or something. It is, obviously, we had that postponement against these Bills. But uh, from the early parts of that match, they looked bloody good. The Bengals, they went down and scored a touchdown. They They did. they just, like you said, they've been kind of peaking at the right time of year and, and they look they look like a, the quality outfit. I mean, the defense for the Bengals is is the slight question mark and it really depends what Josh Allen shows up. If Josh Allen can run, take care of the ball, I think the Bills win. If he kind of continues this in this vein of, of throwing some bad passes and trying to do too much and forcing the ball where it's mm. not to be thrown... And the Bengals will ride in this and, and will probably win, but uh, it might be it might come down to whoever wins the turnover battle. So, I think the Bills overall are potentially a better team um, on paper, uh, and even you know not on paper. I think if you watch the two teams at the very best, I think the Bills are are the best team in the in the competition, especially in the AFC. But yeah, what my concern is, I suppose, for the Bills this week is yeah, just that turnover factor and of Josh Allen. I really want him to run and, and lead that team in rushing and, and do more with his legs. And, and again, just, just opens up the play and hopefully he's not forcing those balls through um, in, in tight spots. But Stefan Diggs, he's, he's oh, I want to say he's the best wide receiver out there, but God, it's a, it's a talented talented crop of um, receivers out there at the moment. But yeah, I think... If, he, if he's not the best, he's in the <laughs> top three. The, at, the, at the least, like at absolute worst. Yeah. He's I, think, I think the Bills win but I kind of want to play the five and a half because I think it's going to be a tight contest regardless and and to your point I'd love this to be a, a shootout and I, I would love for it to, to go over the mark and and look like you said um, 
maybe that 49 and a half is, is potentially a little bit too small, but uh, um, just with the Bills way they kind of played on defense, like you said, against, against the Dolphins last week, uh, recorded over 400 yards, but um, yeah, those turnovers killed, killed them. And that's what cost them points uh, on the defensive end. So I'm kind of sitting on the fence here, but I do lean the Bengals plus five and a half, but my heart says hopefully the Bills can get up and, and win. And um, yeah, it's obviously going to be an emotional, emotional game, and and look forward to seeing what what the what the fans in in Buffalo kind of bring to the table, and and kind of how the the stadium can erupt. For hopefully we'll see Demar Hamlin at the game as well, which would be a, a massive boost, massive boost for all the for all the Bills players. Yeah, agreed. I, I think you, you're right. Is that it's probably a it's probably a field goal type of type of outcome, and. Yeah, I think like you said, it, it kind of makes that that five and a half point differential kind of feel just a, a touch high. I think you know if it was three points flat, then it's probably you know pr- probably a no play. But if but you know past a field goal, I think you you kind of if if that's your thought process, then you kind of have to play it. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of where we're both leaning at this stage. I think it looks like a a nice play, but um, maybe we just roll with the overs and hope for. A, an absolute ripping contest and a shootout. Uh, following that game, straight off uh, the back of that at Monday, 10.30 a.m., the Dallas Cowboys, who are looking to get into the NFC Championship game for the first time in a long time, up against the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are at home, of course. They are minus three-and-a-half-point favourites. The total is 46-and-a-half. I just can't believe the Niners are only three-and-a-half-point favourites here. We, we talked about kind of the books and, and punters trying to fade the Niners with, with Brock Purdy kind of for the last two months or, or whatever it's been. Um, but they're, I, I think, eight and three against the spread on their 11-game win streak. And given they've been favourites in pretty much all of them, all of those 11 games, that's that's a pretty remarkable feat. Um, I think there's maybe a little overreaction by the books to the Cowboys uh, beat down of the Bucks last week. But you know, like I said, let, let's let's be honest, Dallas were good, but Tampa Bay were woeful. Uh, I just don't want to overthink this too much. Dallas in the second half of this season haven't been the force that we expected. Uh, the Niners keep going from strength to strength and, and each week just kind of take all before them. They're the hottest team in the league. Uh, I have to play the Niners here at, at three and a half. I feel like this should be a touchdown at, at least. Yeah, well, this is what surprises me. How how can the, the Bills be minus five and a half against the Bengals, but the Niners can only be three and a half against the Cowboys? And for for, for me and, and for you by the sounds of it, 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 it just doesn't kind of add up and the, and the Niners should be close to that five and a half or six or even out to a touchdown against this Cowboys team yeah. that, um, you know, before they beat the Bucks just played one of the worst games you'll ever see against the Commanders. And I know that was week 18 and you don't want to read too much into that. And they were, they were very good against the Bucks, but who did they beat last week? Let's be honest. And this is a completely different team that they're coming up against. Uh, the Niners, as we said off the top, they just look like they're peaking in all at the right time and, and, and look a class edge against the rest uh, at the moment, especially against the Cowboys who, you know, have a great defense of their own, but that Niners defense at the moment is just unbelievable. And, and, I can at this stage. I probably trust Brock Purdy not to turn the ball over more than I do Dak Prescott. So that's what it comes down to for me. And I think that, like you said, the, the minus three and a half looks like a bit of a not a gift. I won't say, but uh, it's always dangerous when you flirt with that word. But um, they they are just primed to strike here. The Niners. They've got all the weapons on offense that we mentioned. That that connection with George Kittle has been unbelievable for the Niners. They've only kind of just 
got Debo Samuel back into the fold. They've obviously got C-Mac and they've got Brandon Ayuk, who's a, a very, very handy third receiver, if you want to call him that, behind Kittle and, and Samuel. So, uh, yeah. And then you still got you know, Elijah Mitchell, who was going to be their starting it's just the starter at running back in, in week one. Well, that's right. He's got a couple of touchdowns last week. And, uh, yeah, I think the team's humming. I, I, I don't see the Cowboys challenging the Niners this week. I think that uh, looks like a really good play here, minus three and a half. And, uh, yeah, if all goes to plan, can't wait to see a, a championship game between the Eagles and the Niners. Um, as I said, haven't played all year, and um, it'd be a, a fascinating watch come next week or this time next week. It, it'd probably be the, the most deserving uh, of of the outcomes for for next week, but um, yeah, I mean, the, I th- in in my eyes, the big worry is the Eagles not getting there, and I I don't know every every fiber of my being says that you you're right. Like it feels like a gift, and maybe it is a trap. Maybe it's maybe it's one of those trap games. I don't know, but when when you've got the when you've got that that feeling, you either run with it or you don't, and and you kind of fight it. And, and I'm I'm running with it this week. Yeah, likewise. I think. Uh... Well, that's a good segue because I think we've um, we've summed up our lock of, lock of the week pretty quickly there. I think the Niners are the one to play here, so let's lock in that lock of the week. San Francisco, who did the job for us last week, to repeat this week and only to cover minus three and a half this time up against the Cowboys in the final game of divisional round in the NFL this week, mate. Great to chat. Any final thoughts before we we sign off for a shorter episode this week? Even though we have still almost touched an hour. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think that we were going to make an hour, but we're we're pretty close. Um, I, I guess you've got a couple of plays there, but championship game predictions. I think I'm going uh, Chiefs Bengals and Eagles Niners. What have you got next week? Yeah, good question, mate. I, I think Niners, Niners, Eagles picks itself. Um, the AFC is certainly a little bit more complicated to who potentially will play the Chiefs, but let's let's roll with Chiefs Bills and um, hope for the best. Well, I think that just about does it for this week. Uh, as always, if you've got any questions, jump on socials uh, at NFL Podcast on Instagram at Punt Return Pod on Twitter, the Punt Return Podcast on Facebook. Uh, give us a bell and and you know, let us know what you want to hear from us next week. Uh, obviously only a couple of weeks left to go and, and a little bit of a break pre-Super Bowl. So let us know what you want to hear from us and uh, we'll try and put it together for you over the next next couple of weeks. But uh, other than that, go birds. Go build. Go build.